demanded that Masters prove he owned the mountain by producing a deed. Their families had settled on Redbud Camp nearly 80 years before, and no one had questioned their claim to the land until now. He made no proof of his ownership, but he didn't have to. None of the clerks or magistrates would hear the Cherokees' complaints. He was left free to build. Masters hired team after team of men to go and clear the land, but to no avail. After so many men were killed or hurt on the mountain, and word began to spread that it was at the hands of the Cherokee girl, no one would go back. Masters thought he might never see his land prepared, until a young man by the name of Sullivan answered the notice, and told him that he was not afraid of anything, and certainly didn't believe in such foolishness as maledictions. He had been looking a long time for the chance to make some money of his own and escape the ever-watchful eyes of his mother. Saul Sullivan's mother would not hear of his going up on Redbud Mountain. She believed that such things as spells and witches were as real as scripture. Esme Sullivan was the kind of woman who kept an acorn on every windowsill to ward off bad spirits— and boiled old shoes in a Dutch oven to guard against snakes coming into the yard. When her cat sat with its back to the fire, she prepared for a snowstorm. Besides, Esme had always been ill at ease around the Cherokees. When she saw them in town, she eyed them suspiciously, as if they might snatch her purse or cut her throat for no reason at all. Some of her people had been killed at the hands of Shawnee warriors ages ago, and she reckoned the Cherokees would have done the same thing if they had happened upon her family back then. "'You'll not be taking any such job,' Esme said, slopping beans onto Saul's plate. "'You can ride back into town tomorrow and tell that man to find some other fool.' "'I want to take it,' Saul said." Masters is paying top dollar on account of this nonsense about the mountain being witched. Esme's voice was firm. Ain't nonsense. Look at all the men that's got killed or hurt up there. She hovered over his shoulder as he ate, just as she always did. She never sat down until her boys had been fed. She was a short, slender woman, but she could work from daylight to dark without breaking a sweat. Today her presence seemed bigger as she stood behind him. I'll not have you risk it. You heard me. Saul knew better than to argue with her. He didn't relish being slapped, which was what happened when one of her children talked back. So he said, All right, then. In the morning, Saul got up before daylight and dressed silently. He didn't make a sound as he pulled on his clothes and laced his shoes, but there was no sneaking past his brother Aaron, who followed Saul everywhere he went. Saul slipped out into the blue light of early morning, and Aaron threw back his covers. Saul was standing near the creek, stretching and listening to the bones in his back pop when he heard Aaron coming out of the house. "'Get back yonder,' Saul said without looking at Aaron." The moon hung low and ghost-faced above the mountain. You've got no business up this early. Where are you gone to? I want to come with you. I've got a hard day's work ahead, Saul said, fishing down behind the woodpile to get the bundle of supplies he had hidden there the evening before. Go back to bed.
Aaron was only a year younger than Saul, but he was a cane pole of a boy. He took after their mother and was so fragile that Saul always ended up obliging him even when he set out to be firm. Aaron had been spoiled long ago because Esme gave in to his every whim. When she didn't, Aaron would sit silently, strumming their father's old banjo in such a careless way that she gave in out of frustration, if not pity. He was bony but determined, and when he pleaded to go, Saul could not deny him. Saul told Aaron to grab the axe out of the chopping stump and climb on the back of his horse. Saul steered the horse down the creek while Aaron held tightly about his waist. It was high spring, and the morning air smelled as if it were made out of the dogwood and redbud that crowded the mountainside. The flowery scent crept into their mouths.